I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast brought to you by Zwift. My name is Benji and today I'm solo here, a solo breakaway once again. It's been a while since we had one of those. Why is Patrick slash LR not here? Well, it's simple. This man had to drive all the way to Switzerland to do his UCI Riders Agents exam and is stuck in traffic. So that's why he's not here, unfortunately. But you'll have to manage just with me. I hope you'll feel uh, pretty okay with that because, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, we've got the Dauphiné on the menu today, the Women's Tour, and perhaps a tiny bit of ZLM Tour talk in the podcast today. But mostly, first of all, let's talk about the Dauphiné, a stage that on paper is very similar to the ones we've already had, a stage that could be a reduced bunch sprint, or a breakaway taking it in the end, depending on which teams take control during the stage and which riders were in the breakaway initially. When it comes to the latter part, a pretty strong breakaway, to be honest. Benjamin Thomas from Cofidis, my pick for the stage of, I think, two or three days ago. I don't remember completely. Fabian Dubien here as well when it comes to Total. Jan Bakelon's Anton Marche and two riders from BNB once again. They're showing themselves in this race, quite certainly. Sebastian Schoenberger is that rider, and Pierre Roland is in there as well. Important to note is that in this stage, there's two hills in the initial part of the stage and two hills in the latter part of the stage. So first of all, for the KOM points, those points matter for Roland, who's in the breakaway, but at the end of the stage, that could actually interfere with pure sprinters. So for example, if a team once again, like what Trek did on stage one, decides to lighten up those hills, then Dylan Grunewagen might be in trouble again. During the stage, it was clear that two teams tried to control from the peloton. First of all, Jumbo Visma with Wout van Aert in the yellow jersey. It seemed like they wanted to uh, take revenge for the last few days. Second after Ghana, second after Godou, and they didn't want to get second after a breakaway rider on this one. So they wanted to catch that breakaway. They controlled the breakaway together with another team that has tried to do the same a few times already, and that is the team of bike exchange for Dylan Grunewagen. But both times that they did it before, Grunewagen ended up being dropped before the sprint actually occurred. So not exactly the perfect race for Grunewagen, has it been? But um, hey, those two teams kept controlling. The breakaway did not get the largest gap at all. And it really came to the point where Pierre Roland was going for the KOM points initially in the breakaway, decided to get them on the Côte de Deux and so forth. He first two climbs and just dropped back to the peloton. And... When the breakaway was four riders, I was like, oh, this break will not make it. Like, if someone's actively waiting from the breakaway to the peloton, then they probably don't believe in it too much anyway. Or Roland is ready to save some energy for the upcoming stages, which are the hardest stages for him when it comes to KOM points. That's also the likely possibility. But towards the end of the stage, it's actually uh, started switching around. It was not that simple. But before we get to the final, let's talk about our podcast sponsor. Zwift is an app that makes indoor training fun. And for me personally, sustainable. That's a very important factor when it comes to my own fitness journey. And Zwift has been key in that. For example, in the last six months, there's been two pillars in my training in which I've lost 16.2 kilograms in the last six months. That's insane. And those two pillars are, first of all, nutrition. And next to that, Zwift training. 
Zwift has been the solution for my time management issues when it comes to my training. I've been a guy that had issues with, okay, when in the day do I have time to exercise? And now I can basically, when I have half an hour, say, okay, I'll quickly jump on Zwift, go for a little spin, try and get some watts in and so forth and get some training done. And so often, like, at the end of the day, I say at 11 p.m., okay, let's hop on Zwift because that's the moment I've got time during the day and I can't really go outside to ride at that point in the day. So all these situations made Zwift the most important and probably the best solution I could find for me personally. If you want to check out Zwift yourself, go to Zwift.com for a seven-day trial in the link below. Anyway, on to the final of today's race then in the Dauphiné. Towards the end of this race, we have those two hills I spoke about and on those hills, there was a different team. Not Bike Exchange, not Yambo, but Ineos that decided to say hi to everybody. And they upped the tempo and it, uh, it became a vital part of today's stage. First of all, Mark Padun of the back, Chris Froome of the back. When it comes to Chris Froome, after yesterday's time trial being worse than Goldstein, well, not really surprising that he's not really looking that good anymore at the moment compared to at the start of the Dauphiné and that Mercant Tour race. But Mark Padun has really not done what we've expected him to do really unless he's on purpose losing time before the mountain stage you don't know you might see him in the breakaway there and suddenly he wins it who knows but next to that Dylan Grunewagen dropping 200 meters from the top of the last climb of the day ah two kilometers from the top he dropped in the first stage I recall and now it's 200 meters from the top and he ain't getting back he ain't getting back to the group because Ineos is ruthless when it comes to their tempo and they want to bring Hater to a potential stage win here but they have to handle some other things now first of all Wout van Aert, they're bringing Wout van Aert to the breakaway right now and next to that also the breakaway they need to make sure they catch the breakaway because I feel like in the last portion of the stage the gap to the breakaway was actually two minutes with like 30k to go and it really came very very close in the end because with roughly two-ish kilometers to go, Ineos was hammering it and hammering it. And I was like, okay, if Ineos keeps this up, then they might not even catch that breakaway because those riders at the front, Benjamin Tuma is a strong bloody rider. I'm worse than Patrick when it comes to guiding ourselves in the final kilometer, but it all came down to a lead out for Hater when it comes to Ineos's end. But Christophe Laporte and Wout van Aert sitting in their wheel ready to strike as well. With the breakaway still ahead with 300 meters to go. There was still a gap of 50 meters there. Benjamin Tuma, the strongest rider in that breakaway, trying to ride away in the sprint. They're sprinting from 400 meters to go. The other riders trying to kind of follow in the wheel when it comes to the breakaway. And in the breakaway, they honestly probably thought they could win at that point in the race. But it was until Christophe Laporte decided to put a real proper lead out in for Wout van Aert. And... That's the lead out that brought Wout van Aert straight to the back of that breakaway. And then Christophe Laporte moves a bit to the left of the road. And it kind of looked like he was somewhat blocking in Wout van Aert for a second. But it was not happening. Wout van Aert sprints past and has Jordi Meus in the wheel. Jordi Meus tries to come around at the left side right at the end. But it is Wout van Aert that finally takes revenge after losing from Ghana yesterday. After losing from Godou two days ago. Wout van Aert is the winner of today's stage at the Dauphiné. You might ask yourself, Ethan Hater, where are you at? He's in third after Jordi Meus and Wout van Aert. Bosenhagen in fourth, Hugo Page in fifth, Steven in sixth, Bajoli in seventh, Barcelona's eighth, Louvel in ninth, and Molano in tenth. When it comes to the GC, Ethan Hater jumps over Jonas Vingegaard, but that's irrelevant for me personally. I think that when it comes to the mountain stages to come, Gegenhardt is going to be leader for that team and not Ethan Hater. So... 
A bit irrelevant, that jump. Nonetheless, Wout van Aert still in yellow. Kataneo still in second, 1 minute 03. And Primoz Roglic still on 106. Could teams have done something different on today's stage? I don't know, like, Kroenwegen and Bike Exchange, they bottled themselves before the race even started, you know, because they should have just had a, a different sprinter at this race. And by sending Kroenwegen, they gave themselves the opportunity to try to go for these stages. But if any other team decides to hammer those climbs in the final of one of these stages, then Kroenwegen cannot compete in these stages. And that's kind of the fault of the people that selected the roster initially and not necessarily the team in the race itself. When it comes to Ineos, they just brought Wout van Aert to a victory, yes, but on the other hand, they tried with Hater and it didn't work out. It could have just gone the other way as well, where Hater ends up winning this. Although, Wout van Aert has proven to be the stronger rider in the sprint recently, certainly against Ethan Hater. When it comes to tomorrow's stage, 197 kilometers, almost 200 between Rive and Gap, we've got similar scenarios possible as today, either the breakaway or a reduced bunch sprint. We've got 40k of flat to start off the stage, then we've got some climbs in there like 6 kilometers at 4%, bit of a plateau, 7 kilometers at 5%, downhill, then a false flat for the next like 90 kilometers, and the last 10 kilometers has some descending in there. So yeah, it feels like a breakaway stage in my head when I see it in a Grand Tour, but in the Dauphiné, it might be that an Ineos or a Yambo decides, okay, let's try and get another stage. I feel like Ineos might not be the team to do so after losing again with Hater to Wout van Aert. so if Jumbo wants a stage, then it's possible, but I've got a feeling I'm leaning more towards a breakaway for this one personally, potentially Benjamin to my again, potentially we see Rola in the breakaway again for the KOM points, Schoenberger again in the breakaway, BNB is very active these days, could Cavagnago in the initial breakaway this time around, I feel like he should try with a stage like this, could definitely be possible, but there's so many options there, and I just feel like a breakaway is the most likely result on this stage. Anyway, Dauphiné aside, let's go on to the women's tour here. The women's peloton was riding from Wrexham to Welshpool, 144 kilometers, and a parkour that allows the possibility to put Lorena Wibbers into trouble, just like yesterday's parkour. Yesterday, they did not succeed. Well, actually, they did succeed in putting her in trouble, but they didn't keep her behind them. So that's a, a pretty big factor in trying to beat Wibbers, keeping her behind you. And on this parkour, they decided to try the same thing again. A group came ahead on the hilly parts of this parkour with Alexander Manley, Faulkner, and so forth. And Faulkner and Manley are the same team. Bike exchange, Manley, we've spoken about her quite a few times. Four stage wins at the Turing and Lotto Tour. And here, Faulkner was riding straight up for her. So they were trying to keep that group ahead of the peloton behind. But some other strong riders were in that group, though, like, for example, Grace Brown, Longo Borghini, Van Dijk, Marcus Shabby, and Nivia Doma, Moman. So uh, those are names. Veronica yours as well. That's a ride you should keep in your head. A proper climber on EF Education Tipco. And she might be able to uh, duel on the climbing stage that I think is on stage five. Yes, the uh, finish on Black Mountain. Anyway, Pfeiffer Georgie was doing loads of work in the group for Wibbers together with some other DSM riders. But Pfeiffer Georgie was the last one to really work together with actually Movistar helping them, Alisa Gonzalez, Shala Gutierrez, and also uh, Guarishki, who was the sprinter for that team. And they tried to get that group back to the group that got ahead, which was that group with Manley, Brown, and so forth. But it looked like that front group was going to make it towards the end. And 
that's when it started spicing up because three riders were able to ride away despite, for example, Faulkner and Manley being both in that group. Faulkner had worked so much that she can't really control the attacks anymore. And that's where Manley has to do it herself. And that's where it kind of fell apart for bike exchange because Grace Brown, Nivia Doma, and Longo Borghini were able to ride away with three and they were actually fighting for the stage win there. And it looked like Longo Borghini was the one that initially kicked off the sprint. Brown in the wheel, Nivia Doma in third wheel. We know that on paper, Brown has a solid sprint at the end of a stage. And that's exactly what happened. Brown stayed in the wheel of Longo Borghini until it was necessary, then flew past in the final stretch. And Grace Brown won the stage, the fourth stage of the women's tour, ahead of Nivia Doma, who sprinted to second. Longo Borghini launched a bit early, and that's why she ended up third on today's stage. The stage does have an influence on GC because we've got a new leader. Grace Brown is now the leader of the women's tour, and uh, that's pretty cool. I like seeing Grace Brown do stuff on bikes because I love how she's able to uh, ride away solo sometimes, ride away in groups, and still finish it off now with her sprint. It's like she's become a bit more versatile over the years as well. So I'm enjoying very much what she's doing on a bike, but the issue there is that she's also a great time trialist, and I think that she's Australian ITT champion, but there's not a single time trial, I think, on her schedule this year. So I don't think she'll ever be able to wear that national shirt in a time trial this year, which is actually unfortunate if you think about it. Nonetheless, that's it for the women's store today. I said it, Black Mountain finish coming up on the next stage. Looking forward to it, a finish of 5.2 kilometers at 5.9%. The likes of Veronica Ewers, Molman, and so forth. I'm curious how much that the rider that is now in the leader's jersey, Grace Brown, can hold up on a finish like that. I actually don't know where to place her on that, but I feel like mm, I might uh, I might pick Molman for this one personally. I feel like she's going to be what, the one doing well there, but I wouldn't sign Veronica Ewers of the uh, list here either, to be honest. Anyway, we spoke about the Dauphiné. We spoke about the women's tour. One race left to talk about very shortly, the ZLM Tour, a Dutch race that is going on right now. Yesterday, stage one was won by Olaf Koy ahead of Mareshko and Viviani in the sprint. And today, well, Olaf Koy technically won, but not exactly on the road. Because uh, relegation story, the police is back. The relegation police is right here. Well, there were three teams properly represented in the front echelon today in this race. Jumbo Visma with Olaf Koy, Ineos with Ale Viviani, and we had Mareshko for Alpesin. Those three riders were likely going to be fighting it out on today's sparkle in the sprint. And it looked like Ineos just had complete control of the final sprint. And Mareshko was in the wheel of that. And then we had a lead out from Jumbo. And then we had Olaf going in the wheel of that lead out. And it looked like the first rider of the three of Ineos, which was Narvaez, moves to the left. And Mareshko decides, I'm going to jump towards that wheel of Narvaez. But Right at that moment, the Yumbo rider was already, the Yumbo lead out of Golav Koy, was already next to Mareshko. So Mareshko basically properly chops, deviates very suddenly to the left, properly chops the Yumbo rider. Fortunately, no crash happens there. And eventually Mareshko jumps to that Nervais wheel, jumps past Nervais. Viviani is too late to respond. Olaf Koy flies, flies past Viviani, but it is Mareshko that wins on the road. But... The chop to that Yumbo rider was a clear relegation in my eyes. He moves to the left. He endangers that rider. The Yumbo lead out. And yeah, we say quite a few times, lead outs aren't humans in sprints. Because often when something happens to him, the UCI commissaries don't really care. But today, it looked like they did. Because Mareshko is now officially relegated. And uh, well, I just wanted to tell you that story. I don't know why. But 
you've got it in your ears. And that's it, basically. Anyway, that's it for today's Lantern Recycling Podcast. I hope that Patrick is back fairly soon because this is super stressful alone. And I hope you survived the entire way through because I might not have. Anyway, thanks for listening and I'll see you soon. Goodbye.